Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. The results of Russia's annexation vote in four occupied regions of Ukraine may soon be announced. The whole process has been labeled a sham by Kyiv and the West. There are reports of people being forced to vote at gunpoint. Now, this is not a new tactic for the Kremlin. It followed a similar plan when it annexed Crimea in 2014. We're joined now by Thomas Duvall. He's a Russian affairs expert and senior fellow at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. He is in Vienna this morning. Thomas, this all appears to be the same plan playbook that Russia used in Crimea, are there any significant differences that you see? Um, it's absolutely the same playbook as we saw in Crimea in 2014. Um, the only difference is I would say this is even worse. Um, Crimea was relatively peaceful at that point. And the Russians basically took it over without a shot being fired and it had a large uh, Russian population. That doesn't justify holding that referendum back there. But this is even more outrageous. This is for uh, areas of Ukraine, which uh, with a, a war going on and, and a referendum which was just dreamed up literally uh, a couple of weeks ago um, for those places to become part of Russia. And um, no one is taking it seriously. I mean, um, eventually the Russians persuaded a few friendly states like, um, you know, Cuba and Syria to recognize the the Crimea referendum back then. But now even relatively friendly states like you know, Kazakhstan are saying that they won't recognize the result of this. So how do we measure then it's succeeding? Because they've staged these referendums to try and annex, annex close to 15 percent of Ukraine's territory. So, I mean, will it still be considered a success? Maybe just uh, Vladimir Putin? Well, I think he's um, clearly he, Vladimir Putin is not expecting that anyone is going to recognize uh, these referendums internationally. So it's clearly aimed at two audiences or maybe three audiences, Ukraine uh, and the Western countries and also the Russian uh, public. I think obviously he had a grave setback um, when he lost uh, momentum and lost all that um, territory they'd captured early in, in September around Kharkiv area. And I guess um, uh, President Putin is trying to regain the initiative, uh, both on the military front with the uh, mobilization call and on the political front by saying, um, we're not going to give up on these territories uh, that we've captured earlier. And indeed, we're going to absorb them into Russia. Is there any way to glean that maybe what you just mentioned, him uh, with with uh, the troops, the additional troops that he's bringing in and this uh, referendum, that he is somehow in trouble in Russia? I think um, it's fair to say he's in trouble. I think I think we should temper our expectations. Um, I don't think we should expect, um, you know, a palace coup or the downfall of Mr. Putin soon. But clearly things are not going to plan. The plan, you know, was was that this would all be over. It would be a it would be a special operation, uh, as he calls it, and not a war. It would be over. Um, they would, you know, um, decapitate the government in Kiev and basically have um, control the whole of Ukraine. So things are going pretty badly. Um, and I think the dangerous thing now is this mobilization for Mr. Putin. Um, there was a kind of social contract that he's always had, um, that he's a kind of dictator by consent, that um, that the public supports him, but he, he doesn't touch certain aspects of their life. Um, and I, I would guess that, you know, some of the opinion pollsters suggest that around half of the population in Russia 
supports the war but doesn't really want to get involved, as it were. They, 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 they kind of support it sitting in front of their TV screens. And what we've now seen with this mobilization is it coming into people's families, um, relatives being called up who thought that they, you know, um, they'd done their military service and, and, you know, done their duty and now it's coming in, in, into, into their homes. And that's where it does, he begins to lose uh, popularity. That doesn't mean he falls, but it, it means he's more vulnerable amongst the elite. And in certain places in Russia, obviously, there is some beginning to be some active resistance to this. Any insight into how Russia is being viewed in the four occupied areas? Very hard to say, obviously, because um, they're basically under a kind of information blockade. These are all areas which, you know, um, a lot of people spoke Russian. It was their main language at home. Um, a lot of people had relatives in Russia. So not necessarily an anti-Russian place before, but I think the war has, has changed that. I think, um, you know, the the behavior of the Russian army, the bombardment and so on has has made people in these areas, by all accounts, you know, remember that they're Ukrainians and be grateful to be uh, Ukrainian. So, um, you know, we shouldn't say that nobody in these areas wants to be part of Russia, but it's a surely a strong uh, minority. And, and this is why we're hearing um, reports of people, you know, soldiers going house to house, handing people ballot papers, you know, basically um, trying to force some kind of result in a rather grotesque manner out of the local population. And one more thing, Thomas, quickly, considering uh, how maybe Russia, Russian citizens are now kind of rebelling against Vladimir Putin in some way, and how the rest of the world won't see his annexation as legitimate, is there any fear of escalation to the point where nuclear weapons would be involved? Is that something we legitimately need, need to worry about? I, I think we we definitely have to worry about escalation. Um, um, I couldn't comment on the nuclear issue. That's obviously incredibly dangerous. But something we could watch out for is the Russians attacking Ukrainian critical infrastructure, you know, trying to deprive whole towns and cities of, of water and electricity and causing a new refugee flow in the winter. That would be very dangerous indeed. Thomas Aval is a senior fellow at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. Thomas, thanks. Thank you. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, hosts Lizanne Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, along with their guests, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around stocks, fixed income, the economy, and more. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. This is my voice. It can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on the Black experience. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.